This is HPR episode 1839 entitled, My New Used Pickup Truck. It is hosted by John Culp and is about 22 minutes long. The summary is, I talk about my pickup truck and doing some repairs and stuff. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hey everybody, this is John Culp in Lafayette, Louisiana, and today I'm going to talk about something new in my life, my pickup truck. And um, for the longest time, ever since my wife and I have been married, we have been a single vehicle family. We've only had one car at any time, and uh, we've been able to do that because we bought a house right next to the university where we both teach. If you listen to my previous episode about headphones, you'll know that it didn't take me all that long to walk from home to my office. And this makes it possible for us to have only one car. Uh, We don't even have a parking permit at the university, so we couldn't park here if we wanted to. What we do is we take the kids to school, we go home and park the car, and then we walk to the office. However, as the kids get older, it seems like more and more we find ourselves in situations where we need to be in two places at once. This kid has an appointment over there, this other one has to be picked up from school at the same time, and uh, we run into difficulties And uh, recently, uh, over lunch for our anniversary, my wife kind of checked in and asked, how's it going, you know, um, coming up on maybe a midlife crisis, do you want to get a motorcycle or have an affair or something like that? And uh, I said, well, uh, no, things are going fine. I, I don't want either of those things, although I have been thinking it might be nice to have a little pickup truck. And uh, to my great surprise, she loved this idea thought that it was probably about time for us to think about getting a second vehicle anyway and really like the idea of a pickup truck so that she can use it to do things like uh, pick up gardening supplies or a load of mulch or things of that sort or just to you know they're awfully handy now i did not want one of these giant pickup trucks that seems to be the um standard over here in america Uh, most of the trucks you see on the road nowadays have four doors and great big beds and they're jacked way up and I have big, powerful engines. And what I found was that it's very difficult to find a small pickup truck. Uh, I guess it's not difficult if you buy a new one, but uh, we were working within a budget constraint here. I wanted to pay cash for it and didn't really want to pay more than about $6,000. And so that means I'm looking at pickups that are probably 10 years old or more with around 100,000 miles on them. And uh, depending on the brand, you can find these things. But uh, there just weren't that many to choose from. I was going around to used car lots and uh, looking online at cars.com in a radius of about... I tried to stay within 25 miles because I don't really fancy driving a long way to look at a truck and then having to bring it to my mechanic for him to check it out. One thing I really wanted to do was to have my mechanic look at the thing, at least cursorily, 
so that uh, he could notice anything that I wouldn't necessarily see, not being a car professional. <clears throat> so I really need to find it locally. There weren't a whole lot of options. The Toyota Tacoma would have been my top choice, but I found that to get a Toyota Tacoma, you're going to have to pay at least $10,000 for it to be in the condition that I want and the um, right number of miles. The ones that had about 100,000 miles and were about 10 years old were around $9,500, $10,000, which is a little bit outside of our budget. Um, so I looked and looked and couldn't find anything. I, I probably looked for two or three weeks, and then finally one day I saw on Craigslist that a guy was selling a Ford Ranger from 2004 that had 94,000 miles on it, and he was asking $4,500. And uh, that seemed really perfect in every way. So I went to look at it, and uh, I fell in love with the truck. I mean, it was really everything I wanted. It was the right size. The, the Ford Ranger is the smallest of the Ford trucks. They don't even make the Ford Ranger anymore. I think they stopped around 2011 or 2012 because they just didn't make enough money on them, I guess. It, everyone's buying the big trucks, and what I wanted was the little one. So anyway, the Ford Ranger is a, a good model for this. It seems reliable. They uh, sometimes end up with well over 200,000 miles on them, which means that they will last a long time if you take care of them. The, the one issue with this truck was that it had been in a little accident where part of the front uh, molding got knocked off, and uh, there are a couple of things that look a little bit out of whack, but it was nothing that compromised the safety of the issue, and my mechanic, when he looked at it, said that it would still pass his um, safety inspection for the state of Louisiana. And uh, he did look all around it while the owner of the vehicle was there with me and uh, said that, well, you're going to need to replace the um, sway bar bushings and and probably have to get an alignment, and uh, the two of these things would cost a couple hundred bucks, so the owner, the owner of the vehicle agreed to drop the price down to 4300 And so uh, I bought it. I uh, went to the bank, got the cash, gave it to the guy, and we had to find one of those notary publics to sign all the paperwork, and I, uh, I took ownership of this vehicle. And so the next day... <clears throat> This all happened, finding the ad in the paper, well, the paper, uh, online, and closing on the deal all happened between about 11.30 in the morning and 5 o'clock at night. So it was all done by about that time. The next day, I went to the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles and got the registration all taken care of and paid my taxes on it. And uh, so that was all sorted out. So then I started cleaning. I did a, a cursory cleaning myself because I knew that I was going to take it to the auto spa we have an auto spa here that does amazing work for what to me seems like a pretty reasonable price of either the, the service we get done on our Honda CRV is about $30. And for that, man, they clean everything inside and out. It's amazingly clean, like a new vehicle. I paid slightly more for the truck since it was in worse condition and needed more attention. I think I paid $45. And uh, they cleaned that thing inside and out, and um, it, it looked beautiful uh, by the time they're done. They didn't shampoo the seats or anything, so there's still a little bit of stains on the seats. But otherwise, the truck really was in amazing condition. Uh, drove great, had plenty of power. It's a V6 instead of a V4, like most of the Ford Rangers, because this is a Ranger Edge model. A little bit power, more powerful engine. Uh, the suspension is jacked up a little bit, but not crazy high. Um, so there were 
a couple of issues that I had to deal with after that. Um, so after I got it cleaned and back home, I decided to start learning about the vehicle. And one of those things um, in that process was to figure out how to take the spare tire off and how to jack up the vehicle and all of that kind of stuff. I, I don't want to be learning these things in an actual emergency when I need to do it. I want to already know how to do it. <laughs> and so uh, I also thought I should probably inflate the spare tire up to specifications because it probably had not had that done in a while. The uh, tires all around were actually much too low. So I got that taken care of. I learned how to lower the full-size spare tire from the bottom of the truck down to the ground and take it off. And I flipped it around because uh, whoever had put it up there last did it in such a way that the little um, Schrader valve that you need to get at to inflate the tire was pointing up toward the bottom of the vehicle so you couldn't access it without taking the tire off. So I took the tire off to just kind of learn how to do that, flipped it over, and then put it back in place with the Schrader valve all the way pointing to the back of the truck underneath so that I can uh, lie down and, and hook a hose up there and, um, you know, one of those air air uh, pressure hoses and pump it up. So that's all taken care of now. I learned how to use the little um, bottle jack that comes with it for emergencies and that everything worked fine. Um, one issue that came up, it might have even been the end of the very first day that I drove this thing, was that the check engine light came on. And I don't know if you're anything like me, then, um, you can feel when you, when you see the check engine light come on, you can kind of feel your wallet getting lighter. I don't know that I've ever had a check engine light situation that didn't cause me at least $200 to have fixed, whether it's a, a new, uh, oxygen sensor or whatever. <clears throat> but I've decided with this vehicle, and th this is where the, interest of hackers might come into play a little bit more. I've decided with this vehicle, I'm going to try to do as much of the maintenance on this as I can myself. I've never really done much car maintenance myself before because we've only had one car. And when you only have one car, you can't afford to mess things up because uh, you could really put the car out of commission. You'd have to call tow trucks, and uh, then the spouse gets extremely angry with you, and this kind of... I, I did not want to do that. So uh, if anything got messed up in the car uh, at the, uh, you know, in the repair processes, I wanted it to be someone else's fault so that I would not take the blame for it. But with the truck, we have another car still working all the time, and it's much newer, so it, it's going to be reliable. I thought I, I can afford to do some of these repairs myself. And the Ford Ranger actually has a, an engine compartment that's a little bit more spacious than our Honda. And so you can get at some of the parts easier. And um, I also have a buddy here who works at the university who is really, really good with cars. He, he has rebuilt engines and um, he goes on these rallies in Colorado with these um, Triumph uh, like Triumph owners will convene in this place and then drive all around the mountains and they always carry buckets of spare parts and have to do repairs on the side of the road. And anyway, he, he told me that I could probably handle some of these things. And so uh, he suggested that I take the car over to AutoZone, which is a chain of auto parts stores here in the United States. And they would hook up their little handheld computer to my car and tell me what engine code it was that was causing the check engine light to come on. So I drove it over there and the guy came out and hooked up his little device 
and uh, got the code on it and then went into the shop and plugged it in with a USB cord to his um, his uh, computer there. And he told me this is a throttle position sensor has gone bad and that's why you're getting the check engine light. And so uh, I thought, great, I did a little bit of research. I, I thought I'd probably have to take it to the shop and have them do it. But then I, I started researching a little bit and found that the throttle position sensor is actually right on the very top of the engine. So it's super easy to access. And uh, I would not have to take out any large components to get at it or anything like that. So I thought, well, you know what, maybe I can do this myself. So I looked around and I, I found throttle position sensors on Amazon for about $35. And I ordered one, but then I got another email back from my colleague who said, uh, by the way, before you replace this part, because I told him it was a throttle position sensor that they said was bad. And he said, before you replace the part, you might try just cleaning it and see if that does the job. You just got to spray some electrical contact cleaner on it. And uh, I had some of that. And so uh, I quickly canceled my order to Amazon and uh, so I, I successfully canceled it before they ever shipped it. So I got my money back and all that stuff. But then the next morning I went out and uh, took the throttle position sensor off the truck, sprayed contact cleaner in there and waited for it to dry, hooked it back in, hooked the battery back up. And uh, what, next time I started up the truck, the check engine light was off and it has not come on since then. So I fixed it without even buying the new part. I just cleaned it and um, it's all fixed. I... I can't remember a time ever when I fixed the check engine light for zero dollars. So uh, you can imagine how exciting that was for me. Another issue with the truck was that the tailgate handle was broken. A lot of these cars have these uh, plastic tailgates that after you use them a number of times, they start getting weak and then just break off. This actually happened with a, an older vehicle we had before, a um, Toyota Sienna the handle broke on that, and I found on eBay a metal replacement handle for it. Um, the, the factory handle is plastic, but you can get um, third-party manufactured parts uh, that are better sometimes, and this one was metal. And on the Sienna, I replaced it, and it worked great after that. So I assumed that I'd be able to find the same thing for the truck, and I did. I think it cost me... $18 for the new handle that's made of metal instead of plastic. And it was actually much easier to install on the truck because I didn't have to remove any plastic um, molding from the inside of the door. Um, I did have to go to the hardware store and buy some new uh, machine screws because the previous owner of the truck, since the handle was broken, he had removed this little access panel that would give you access to the, the little rods that uh, control the, the levers on either end of the door. And uh, the access panel was just lying in the truck bed, and he threw away all the screws that were used to hold it in. But when I was cleaning the truck, I found one of the screws, and I took it to the hardware store for them to match it, and I bought seven more uh, so that I could put the panel back on there. So uh, that was uh, very easy to fix, and it, it works great. I'm very, very happy about that one. Now, the sway bar, this, uh, the sway bar is a part I never even heard of before my mechanic told me that I would have to replace um, the bushings in it. But um, it was a funny thing. I kept uh, driving the truck around. Every time I went over a bump, I would hear this chinka, 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 chinka. Like, it sounded like somebody had thrown a handful of change somewhere inside an empty part of the frame and every time I went over a bump it was just like just jingling and jangling uh, everywhere 
And uh, what I discovered uh, after researching the sway bar link ends and bushings and stuff was that uh, when I when I looked under the truck to see the parts uh, that I had been looking at in videos, I saw the reason why I was getting this jangling sound. It was because all of the bushings, uh, let's see, on the left side of the, no, the right side of the truck, all of the bushings were gone. And so you just had metal parts that were just jangling together every time you went over a bump. And on the left side, uh, one out of the four bushings had disintegrated and disappeared. And so that one was also jangling. So I ordered some new sway bar link ends or end links. I, I don't know. But anyway, they're, they're these pieces that, that connect a, a little stabilizing bar to uh, the front suspension to help keep the vehicle from uh, tipping sideways when you go around turns. And uh, those were pretty easy to install. I did not even have to jack the vehicle up. And so uh, as soon as I installed the new uh, end links and went over a bump, it was glorious silence. No more jingling and jangling. Let's see. Uh, Another thing I did was to uh, get spare keys for the truck. Thankfully, the previous owner still had both original keys. And this means that if if you have both keys, you can actually program a new key without having to pay somebody a whole lot of money for it. You can do it yourself. These transponder keys, this vehicle is new enough where the key has a chip in it. And if you don't have a key with a chip that's programmed right, you won't be able to start the vehicle. You can open it, but you can't start it. And so uh, I ordered a couple of blanks on eBay for $12 a piece because I think the dealer will charge something like 80 or or $100 to give you a new key or a replacement key or a backup key like this. But I found blanks on eBay for $12 each, and I took them to the locksmith and had him cut the keys for me to, to fit the doors. And then I took those blanks home and did the, um, the uh, key position two-step kind of thing. They, what you have to do is take... You have to have both of your original working keys. You plug them in to the um, ignition and then turn it to the on position. Hold it for about a second, turn it back off, pull it out, take the second working key and do the same thing again. Pull it out and then take the one you want to program and stick it in and then do the same thing again. And once you've done that, it's programmed and will start the car. And so I did that with both of those. And so I, I now have two working backup keys for only $15 a piece rather than, I don't know, $80 or $100 a piece. Uh, what else? The The next thing to do on it is uh, address the brakes. The, the brakes work, but they're noisy. I, I get this high-pitched squealing, and so I'm going to replace the brake pads and the brake rotors. And uh, those are coming in the mail sometime uh, probably next week. I have not bought any parts at the car parts store because I find that um, they're just way more expensive that way. Even something like brake rotors that weigh something like 20 or 25 pounds each, it's cheaper for me to order them on Amazon and have them shipped to me than it is to go to the car parts store and buy them. I got each of the rotors for the front for $36 with free shipping. And I got, uh, really high-end brake pads, uh, qu- uh, ThermoQuiet. I think they're ThermoQuiet, um, brake pads for about $35 also. And I ordered some new uh, latex gloves to protect my hands and some uh, brake cleaning fluid and stuff like that. So uh, I'm getting into this. I'm going to enjoy um, 
working on the car myself. One of the greatest resources for this right now is YouTube. Just about any repair you want to do on your vehicle, you can find videos of somebody doing it on YouTube. So it's a wonderful thing for do-it-yourselfers. Now, uh, since it is a pickup truck, I also have um, taken advantage of the uh, capacity of the bed to deliver some important loads. For example, the uh, electric toy car that my kids used to drive around the driveway. It's a, a little Jeep kind of thing that'll fit two small kids and they can drive around uh, under battery power. Uh, well, they're too big for that. And so one of my colleagues has a kid about the right age. And so I loaded that electric car up in the back of the truck, strapped it down with my ratchet straps and delivered it to their house for them. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, awfully happy about my truck. Um, it's funny. I, I never really thought I would be a pickup truck guy, but I realized after I bought it that I'm almost exactly the same age now as my father was when he got his first pickup truck, which was also a Ford Ranger. And that was back in, I want to say it was 1989 or 1990, something like that. <clears throat> and so um, I probably will not go down the same road he has and got bigger and bigger trucks, but um, it's kind of fun to have one now and awfully nice to be able to be in uh, two places at once as a family. Anyway, uh, I, I might record follow-up episodes, uh, especially after I try to do the brake repair. But um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed hearing me talk about my new pickup truck. Talk to y'all later. Bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.